Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, September 14th, and this is your FT News Briefing. SoftBank might take itself off the public markets, and Netflix shows that it isn't afraid to open its wallet when it comes to content. Plus, we've seen France and Germany come out with big COVID-19 recovery plans this summer. Which country is taking more of a gamble with its spending? We'll take a look. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The last few years have been a whirlwind for SoftBank. But the last few weeks in particular have been a real sprint by the technology group. The FT broke the story that SoftBank was the Nasdaq whale. SoftBank on Sunday said it agreed to sell ARM Holdings to U.S. chip company NVIDIA for $40 billion. This is just four years after SoftBank's Masayoshi son said ARM would be the linchpin for the Japanese group's future. And earlier in the day yesterday, it was reported that SoftBank executives are once again discussing taking the group private. The FT's corporate finance and deals editor, Arash Masudi, explains why these talks are starting back up now. What's happened with SoftBank is that it sort of underlines this desire to no longer be operating assets since March when their share price puked with global stock market routes and Masa himself personally came under severe pressure. He turned around and said, I'm going to embark on this disposal program. And what happened as he's been doing these disposals is the market rallied and the share price rallied. And essentially everything they've announced, they've sold down part of their stake in Alibaba. They announced that they're going to do that. They're selling from owning a majority stake in their Japanese telecoms business to just a large minority. They're offloading their shares in T-Mobile, and now they're offloading ARM. So essentially, SoftBank has been unwinding its assets over the last several months, and the market has rewarded that. Now, underneath all of this is Masa's frustration over a discount between the value of the sum of the parts of his holdings and the actual equity value of the company. This is a conglomerate discount that some people also attribute to his wild tendency to make big bets, which, you know, leave people kind of dumbfounded. And so there's what's known as a Masa discount embedded in the SoftBank stock. But if they can capture this discount, even if they pay a premium for the SoftBank shares by taking it off the market, it'll be wildly lucrative. And don't forget the powers of leverage that will be used to kind of make the transaction work. Well, you know, the multiples of what they could achieve is quite high. So this idea has been kicking around for a while on top of the fact that Masa Sun doesn't like being a public company shareholder, because effectively he doesn't believe in governance and he doesn't believe in um, uh, sort of having to t- like tell people what he's up to. He thinks he's he's got a unique vision and having to explain that to people is very frustrating for him. Now, we saw a little bit of what's frustrating to him play out in the last month. If you remember, the FT broke the story about SoftBank being the NASDAQ whale. And effectively, what that meant was SoftBank had a bunch of cash in its coffers from doing all these disposals, and it didn't want to just sit on that cash. So what it did was it it speculated on the stock market, effectively turning the company into nothing more than a hedge fund. While that trade proved somewhat lucrative for SoftBank, it really spooked investors, which sold down the shares after the FT broke the story. And so, again, an irritation exists within SoftBank and with Masa-san. Whenever he feels like he's trying to do something unique and clever, the market basically doesn't understand him. And so by going private, if they're able to do this, it is a way to get away from that. And Netflix is going all in when it comes to spending on content. The streaming service is expected to outspend all its major rivals on entertainment content this year. Research from the firm Amper Analysis shows that Netflix will drop a little more than $13.5 billion in 2020. 
that beats out Viacom, CBS, Disney, and NBC Universal, excluding sports rights purchases. Netflix's big spend is part of a record-setting year for Hollywood. Spending on original shows and the rights to old content is expected to hit new highs in 2020, and this comes despite the economic downturn and production delays. But because of the pandemic and these delays to production, fewer shows have been commissioned this year, especially when it comes to TV drama. This moment has exposed the big gap between how big streaming services like Netflix are handling the pandemic, while advertising-relying broadcasters continue to see their budgets hit hard. Many countries relaxed their coronavirus lockdown restrictions over the summer. And after taking emergency measures to support jobs and prop up companies at the beginning of the pandemic, governments have turned their attention to economic recovery plans. Europe's two biggest economies, France and Germany, have chosen very different routes to recovery. With me on the line to discuss the divergence is Ben Hall, our Europe editor. Hey, Ben. Hello. Ben, Germany announced its plan in June while France presented its plan in early September. Are they both planning to spend a similar amount of money? Yes, they are planning to spend a similar amount of money. France's stimulus plan will inject about 100 billion euros into the economy over two and a bit years, which is about four percentage points of GDP. And Germany's will inject 130 billion euros into the economy over two and a bit years. And that's about 3.7% of GDP. So Paris was quite pleased that it is going to be spending slightly more than Germany this time around. (laughs) A little bit of friendly competition, if you will. But, you know, in terms of how this money is going to be spent, where is France going to spend this money specifically? The French plan is divided into three pillars, if you like. They always like pillars in (laughs) European policymaking circles. The first one, and in a way the centerpiece of its plan, is a big tax cut for companies, particularly manufacturing companies, because almost uniquely in Europe, they pay already pretty high taxes on payrolls and corporation tax, but they also have to pay a tax on the value added in their production processes, and quite a chunky one. The second one, about 30 billion euros, is going towards France's effort to cut carbon emissions. And then the third priority or third pillar is money for job support and vocational training and hiring subsidies for young people. How is this different than the way Paris would have acted in past downturns? The French plan is very different. In some ways, it's quite a marked break from the French sort of macroeconomic tradition, which would have been to throw money at pump priming the economy by supporting consumption. And actually, there's not much in this plan that will directly support demand. And in fact, some people say that it's not actually a stimulus package at all. It's a package to improve French productivity and competitiveness that will also help to support growth. Then what about Germany? Where is the 130 billion euros it plans to spend going to go? So the German plan is very different from the French plan in the sense that a lot of the German stimulus cash is going to stimulate demand. There are direct payments to households. And I think another 25 or so billion is going on grants, essentially, to small companies that have suffered harm to their businesses during the coronavirus lockdown. So, Ben, hearing about these two different approaches, one might say that France is gambling a bit and Germany is playing it safe. Is that the case here? Is, Is that a safe way of putting it? I think it is the case for a number of reasons. One, the French government might have to do more 
if the recovery loses momentum and we get a really big surge in job losses this autumn and this winter, and of course, if there's a resurgence in the virus. The second thing is that the French plan will take quite a long time to actually come into effect. The government says that only about 30 billion euros will be poured into the economy next year. And a lot of the money is going to go on things that require a lot of preparation. You know, if you want a lot more people receiving vocational training, well, you have to have the right kind of trainers, the right kind of instruction for those people. So all of that will take time to put in place. So there's a risk that the French plan won't support the economy enough. How do these approaches compare with what other European countries are planning? I think what you're seeing is a divergence between the robust economies with fiscal room to support growth and those particularly in southern Europe, where for political reasons, but maybe also for macroeconomic reasons, are sort of hesitating or struggling to come up with a convincing and really significant injection of money into their economies. There is, of course, also a big stimulus package coming from the European Union, but they still haven't worked out exactly where the money will go. France's stimulus plan, if you like, is designed to meet the criteria for that EU recovery fund. And the French are counting on 40 billion coming from the EU for their stimulus package. Other countries are a little bit further behind in terms of coming up with their plans. So the EU's smaller economies, and particularly its southern economies, which have been hit hardest by the coronavirus economic lockdown are really going to have to work hard to come up with their own stimulus plans soon in the autumn that will win European approval and European financial backing. Ben Hall is the FT's Europe editor. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. And before we go, late last night, we learned that ByteDance had reached a preliminary agreement with Oracle for a technical partnership with TikTok's U.S. operations. It's not a full sale of the video app. President Donald Trump had threatened to ban the app as soon as Tuesday unless a deal was in place. A source told the FT that Oracle plans to address the national security concerns the Trump administration has raised over the Chinese company's ownership of TikTok. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.